name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. For the prayers of the Holy Fathers, Lord Jesus Christ, our God, have mercy on us and save us. Brethren Christ, laudetur Jesus Christus. In secular. In secular. This is Timothy Flanders with the meaning of Catholic, and this is the Terror of Demons Morning Show, joined by co-host Kennedy Hall and returning co-host Jeremiah Bannister. Yeah. How you doing, Jeremiah? I'm doing great, dude. Doing fantastic. Feeling sprite, man. It's bright and early for me. I normally wake up at the uh, butt crack of dawn at about 10 o'clock a.m. Uh, you guys, sure. on the other hand, you had me... Wake up a little bit earlier than normal. We but, did uh, decide. Yeah, we decided to tap our meaning of Catholic <laughs> political correspondent uh, yeah. for this show yeah. as uh, his analysis a little, a little bit more deep than mine. And Kennedy is a Canadian, so you know he'll. <laughs> He's wearing his Canadian colors, uh, as you can see. This is actually so. a tuxedo in Canada. <laughs> Excellent. So and Minnesota, actually. And Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that's true. Um, so today's show is the third revolution. Are we now in the third revolution? And we'll get to that in a minute. But first, I wanted to make an appeal for Catholic businesses. I was uh, struck by a local business uh, in our own town this past weekend who was struggling. It was a, a, a coffee shop, actually, a Catholic coffee shop. They obey the third commandment. They're not open on Sundays. You know, they're real good stuff. They're selling these great fair trade coffee, whatever. But uh, they were just struggling. And this is this is the same for many different Catholic businesses. So check out your local Catholic businesses. Uh, buy from them. This is a great thing to whatever's coming next. We don't really know what's going to happen next, but it's a great a great idea to connect with your local businesses especially the Catholic ones, support them, uh, connect with your local meat producer, your local food people, so that you can uh, deal with the Marxist food shortages that are coming very soon. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I wanted to also shout out to Liturgy of the Home. I wanted to make sure everyone goes to liturgyofthehome.com. This, this was mentioned, Kennedy introduced me to this, uh, mm -hmm. actually Mrs. Hall, I uh, was doing this. This is uh, literallythehome.com. And this is a, a couple over near uh, Our Lady of Clear Creek. And uh, his wife does these beautiful liturgical calendars that you can you can buy these and then you can print them off and you can print them off as a coloring sheet for the kids as well as a printable color um, calendar. And she's doing... So this is the, the epiphany season that we're in right now. So this is the whole calendar. Um, which goes through the whole epiphany season. It's beautiful, beautiful, oh, absolutely beautiful. Um, so great Catholic business to support. So check out liturgy of the home.com and goes straight into our, our, our uh, topic today because the home is going to be the bastion for the uh, Marxist, whatever is going to happen next here. Yeah. So, uh, but first we want to give an analysis as much as possible as to what, just happened, um, especially for non-American viewers, uh, to try to explain uh, what happened and what's going on. And we don't really know what's going to happen next, but we have a good idea, I think, based on uh, you know President Harris's track record in California and whatnot. <laughs> so 
real quickly, I just want to try to break down the way this sort of system works. And then Jeremiah, I want to get your thoughts on color revolution, everything like that. So basically, especially for non-American viewers, once again, if you haven't heard some of these mechanics of how this works, basically there's a popular election in every single state, which then assigns electors who then mm -hmm. these electors then go to the Capitol and they cast an actual vote in the capital of their state. So each of these states had these electors cast votes for the, the president or whatever who was, um, so then those votes are then sent to the capital of the United States. And that's what happened last Wednesday. Those votes were sent to the capital of the United States in Washington, D.C. But there were how many states, Jeremiah? Was it five or six that were disputed? I can't remember I how many. Six of them. So yeah. there was basically there was six different states that had disputed electors. They were either dueling electors or what have you. There was a dispute about the popular election. So they were sending these mm -hmm. all to Washington, D.C., and then President Trump had been pressure, had been saying that Vice President Pence, who is the president of the Senate, so his role is to basically ceremoniously uh, certify these and whatnot. But he he's been saying to President to uh, Vice President Trump, saying, "Hey, you need to send all these electors back to these disputed states. They haven't been certified. These disputed states are, are in question. There's been all these allegations of fraud. You need to send them back and say, hey, you need to investigate these. We, we don't accept them. Send them back to the states. Okay. So that was the whole buildup. And then they were going to say, hey, we're going to debate for two hours for each state. So seven, some, some whole day, 10 hours, they're going to debate for 10 hours. And the Trump campaign was had been saying for weeks, we're going to present all of our evidence in this huge debate. We're going to have a massive debate. We're going to give them all the evidence. And we're going to tell the American people, because all this would be televised publicly, everybody would see all these debates, they'd see all the evidence, they were going to present all this evidence for the American people and say, hey, um, here's all the evidence of fraud. Okay. Now, shortly before this past <clears throat> Wednesday, Vice President Pence came out and said, some, basically to the effect that he felt that he could, did not have the authority to send these, he, he said it differently, and Jeremiah, I'm sure you can comment on this, but he basically said it differently that he wasn't going to send them back to be to be investigated, but he felt that he didn't have authority to do that in some way. So there was already this issue with Trump was finding with Pence that he wasn't going to send them back to the disputed states and investigate. So then what happens? Uh, they have a big rally uh, on the day of this whole thing's happening. They start debating. They have a big rally. Trump Trump says go protest at the Capitol or whatnot, whatever he said, we'll talk about that as well. Cause that's quote unquote inciting insurrection. So then the whole, uh, everybody goes to the, the Capitol and we know that there was, they, they got into the Capitol somehow, the capital of the United States, the greatest military in the whole they world. They opened the doors. They opened, they opened the doors, doors. etc. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't, <clears throat> I mean, I know that it, it was there. Then here's where we get into the disputed facts. We've got, <clears throat> excuse me. We've got some sources say there was Antifa there. Other sources are saying there was certainly, I mean, there's certainly the majority of people there were Trump people, I would probably yeah. safe to say. So there's, there's some sort of mix of Trump and Antifa people, whatever in the crowd, whatever majority of that is, it is. And somehow they got into the Capitol and there was, again, a mix of people being violent or not inside the Capitol. And the <clears throat> now the question then is Kui Bono, to whom does this benefit this whole writing well i there's two different sides to that on the one hand 
you have Trump who's trying to send all the electors back to these states. And, and Pence is saying he can't do that. So on the one hand, Trump does benefit from pressuring Pence with a protest to basically do what Trump wants him to do, which is send send these electors back to the state. So on the one hand, <laughs> protest or some kind of pressure on Pence, sort of that that does benefit Trump. But on the other hand, if if all those huge debates that they were planning for 10 hours today or, you know, last Wednesday, if that all gets stopped that very much benefits the whole narrative that they've been, the press has been saying, president-elect Biden, there's no fraud whatsoever. You know, YouTube, there's a, I'm not sure if YouTube, you can tell me chat, if, uh, is YouTube uh, telling you what to think below on our YouTube video? I don't know. But if you have the, if you have the term yeah. election in your YouTube yeah. video, it'll have a little, uh, we'll tell you what you think about that uh, below. So essentially that's what happened. The debate was stopped. And then lo and behold, at 3 a.m., the the next day in the middle of the night they certified president biden and yeah. president soon to be president harris so yeah. i jeremiah is that the basic facts of what happened any particular events that i'm missing in terms of the basic structure of what went on no no you you're it was it was wonderful in fact <laughs> and it left enough loose ends man to keep talking and i was I, as you as you were going i was like we're gonna wrap up guys it's over it was the perfect analysis it's done <laughs> we're just talking about what happened but the, the truth is like those those few things that are debated right like for example uh was antifa involved was blm involved um, and now it was a general uh McEnany talking about coming out of the white house and saying that special forces was involved um, which that's a wild scenario to even ponder and even think about because it wasn't long before that where there was a change in the in the structure of uh, the chain of command where now the special forces were were uh, reporting directly to an individual that was appointed by Donald Trump, which which was bizarre because it kind of almost made it like a branch of its own. It was a weird it was a weird transition. And it was like, well, they're going to be reporting to me now. And you're thinking, really? And so to hear that coming out of the general as he's coming out of the White House and talking about it was a rather stunning thing. But you're you know, it's difficult to know, you know, too many details too quickly. And everybody wants them right now that if they just simply, you know, if they just simply watched it that day and I was watching live as it happened where the doors opened up, I've been watching for about 20 minutes when it happened. Uh, and so I, I watched as they sang the national anthem. And then right after that, where they go in. And so I saw what happens when you go in and you start losing communication and you got to get back out. Um, but the thing is, is, is it would be fair to say, and I said this well before, I said, it's going to be a mix of them. In fact, I warned people, I didn't go. I said, I, I believe this is going to be used as Charlottesville 2.0. I think that something's going to end up happening here that's going to be laid at the feet of Trump people. And it's going to be worse than anyone could imagine. That it's going to be something that the way, not, not the actual event itself, but the way that that event is manipulated by the powers. Can right? you explain bird dogging once again, Jeremiah? Yeah, bird dogging. The idea, um, I'll, I'll give it by example. There is a, a video that people can see, or they, maybe they did back in 2016, where there was an old lady. And I, I think she may have even been in a wheelchair or something like that. Or she had ox an oxygen tank and she's uh, a Bernie person or you know a Democrat. And she's at a MAGA rally. And, and she gets in this kind of scuffle. And falls on the ground and she's like, oh, and she's doing the, you know, I've fallen and I can't get up thing. Um, that lady has done that multiple times. She was trained to do that. She's actually 
gone to classes and practiced that. <laughs> and so she she is a provocateur. And and uh, she's a special one, right? Kind of like the old man. There was an old man in a video uh, over the summer that that went up to police. And as the police are walking by, they tell him to get out of the way. He has a camera and he's doing this kind of waving the magic wand in front of their badge and communication stuff. And they shove him out of the way and he falls back on the ground and, and lands like that. That man's a provocateur. You can see him in many different videos. Um, the last one I'll mention is... Uh, something relevant to Michigan. Um, in Michigan, you have uh, uh, these these protests against the lockdown that were going on. And during that time, there it was used. It was a uh, the governor came out and said, "Well, there was a, a Nazi flag there. You know, there were Nazis present." Well, she was wrong. Number one, on multiple levels, but number one, um, there weren't Nazis. It was one Nazi. She was wrong on the second level that. He wasn't a Nazi. He was a Bernie guy who goes to multiple different rallies all over the place with a Nazi flag. And the third area where she was wrong was that um, he wasn't even in Michigan. That was, I think, I believe in Minnesota. <laughs> so like, <laughs> but the picture, the whole idea is that man would take that flag hmm. and he would go over to the Trump side of things and he would act like a Trump person and he would hold that there. And then the optics of that were a kind of smear, and there's a technical name for it. Pelosi has a video, I'll show it on my show later today, there where she talks about an intentional smear where you take something you know may not even be true and you use it and basically treat it like it is. It's stung, by the way, that she even admits this out loud on her microphone, but that she puts it, you put it out there, you give it to the media, the media reports it, which then gives you credibility and that story credibility. And then they use that for their political advantage. And she says it's successful. But these people are paid, oftentimes with contracts. And sometimes those contracts get released. Um, and so you can they get leaked and people can see what they're paid and stuff like that. And so a lot of that Project Veritas even uncovered back in 2016 with people who were, quote unquote, bird dogging. Um, and so that's what that is. And so you're going to have that with with this. I mean, it was uh, without a doubt um that you're going to have that but i don't speculate that it was too many of those i think that there's more than enough sufficient reason to believe that trump supporters good-hearted or with ill will doesn't matter that trump supporters in general um are outraged and outraged to the point that they believe <clears throat> that that we are enduring a color revolution that they've been psyoped out of their minds and that they're watching the republic die yeah we yeah. have we have controlled up. We have controlled opposition. We, well, I've heard that term. We have controlled opposition here in Ontario about the lockdowns as well. There are there's this group called the Line, um, and they've kind of backed off a little bit. But basically, as soon as the lockdown protests started, they kind of turned it into an industry, and uh, they basically just are a control. The police, whoever's in who's in charge of you know blocking off the streets for the protests and things because they're so spontaneous, they get them, they organize them with the police, you know. And um, <clears throat> they found out that the one of the guys who's in charge of it was actually involved in a bunch of sketchy things with this like teenage sex trafficking, like it's bad anyway. And um, they're called the line, and they just basically take whatever momentum that like patriots have and then they turn it into a sort of movement and get permission to do whatever, but then eventually gets discredited because um, they're, you, you find out about their nefarious background, essentially. So then, you know, you have you go to these lockdown. I went to this one, it was uh, in Toronto. It was, it was like a worship protest. It was just basically Christians of all stripes, just sort of, church is essential. We're going to gather in a big park and listen to some 
praise and worship. It was a little bit different than uh, going to mass a little bit. Um, but anyway, uh, but there was these like people from the line there and they're, you know, at this point it's coming out that they're controlled opposition. And then you have all these like reform, uh, like conservative Dutch reform, basically Mennonites in long skirts and big beards. And uh, they're going to get painted as these like weirdo extremists with this mm -hmm. group. And that's the whole point of it. Now, I, I forgot real quick. I forgot an important <laughs> announcement, and that is <laughs> I, I'm not really sure what meaning of Catholic will do in the future uh, in terms of because, you know, they just start, started shutting down Parler, which is. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, they, yeah. they shut out. I mean, they suspended Trump from his account, I believe, his email, too. And they started shut down in Parler, which is wild. Um, I'm not sure if YouTube will continue to with meaning of Catholic or not. I don't know. I don't think we're famous enough to really cause the Marxists any grief. But uh, if you, if any viewers, if you go to meaningofcatholic.com and you scroll down to the right side here on new post notifications, if you subscribe to us on the website, you'll get everything and you'll be connected in case we go off YouTube. This podcast is on uh multiple podcast streams as well itunes apple spotify and whatnot we're also on BitChute, so um i'm not sure if youtube will continue to be the home of the the main show anyhow you can also and you can also get a hold of uh, jeremiah and kennedy through meaning of catholic if you contact us you can also connect with kennedy and jeremiah at their websites which are linked below too so just so you know get connected with uh what you need to so you can follow it depending on what goes on next um, but because speaking of color revolution, um, where are we at with the color revolution? The, the principles of cover, color revolution, which Jeremiah has covered when we covered right after the election, November 3rd, um, the main principle, shout out to Matt McKinley, who was breaking this down to me recently. Uh, principle number one, gain control of the dominant communication channels. That's been that's been done for a while. Um Principle number two, install or prop up a puppet leader. That's Biden. They propped him up. He's just a, a pawn of all these oligarchs in China or whatever. Yeah. Uh, commit obvious voter fraud on the national election. Um, this is, I mean, <clears throat> even if there's no voter fraud, I, I would say that there's enough indicators that the uh, thorough investigation was called for. I mean, if, even if there was no voter fraud at all, simply to... Like Ted Cruz made a speech last Wednesday and said, hey, 40% of the United States citizens believe that there's motor fraud. So therefore, even if there's no voter fraud, we should just for the sake of the republic, just do a yeah. thorough investigation. Yeah. I thought that was very rational, very, very rational. And especially if there's no voter fraud, then it'll just certify Biden. And they'll be, I mean, all these 40% people will then just accept Biden because they'll accept that the fact that it wasn't a voter fraud. Anyhow, so color revolution, voter fraud, and then the fourth one is the remove the opposition leaders from approved channels of communication, which was completed after last Wednesday when Trump was completely banned from everything. He can only talk through his representatives. So, Jeremiah, do you think that the color revolution is complete at this point? Uh, no. Well, um, I like the way that this, uh, this is laid out. I've got I've got one, and, and let me just lay it out for people a little bit, and let them fill in the blanks what they think may fit into each one of these phases. They this one this uh, website over at BarryClark.info list five crisis leveraged or contrived. Okay, number two chaos, confusion, and fear. Number three division, labeling, 
and separation. Mm -hmm. Number four, apathy or doubling down. Mm -hmm. And the fifth one is uh, crescendo, which would be, we, we could be entering the last phase. It's not, I wouldn't say it's complete, but we've entered a final phase. Contrive a major crisis, manipulate the levers of power to resolve crisis and secure initial objective, <clears throat> leverage previous narrative to call diehards from extremes to action. Um, and so those three, those three elements of the crescendo, um, I think that that's pretty much, I think we're entering that place now um, because whether or not it was contrived, the idea that it's being used, you mentioned earlier, like who benefits from this? And in a weird way, they all do in a weird way, all across the board. Trump does too. Um, because martyrdom is going to grow. <laughs> well, yeah, it's going to grow. Yeah. Plus at this point, like if you think about it, um, when you're in an age of, of absolute politics, a, you know, a cultural civilizational cycle like this, where everything's falling apart and everything becomes political and stuff and it's extreme, right? It's just all out. Um, when, when that ends up happening, um, you're going to benefit from, from extreme events like this. And it doesn't matter really what side you're on. Um, because as, as the election was going on, take, for example, this, um, uh, when it first began, there were ideas of, well, we need to challenge this and have poll challengers. Then that didn't work. So then it had to be bigger and we had to have counties come in and begin having people go back and look. And then it got bigger and it had to deal with the courts in the states. Then it got bigger and had to deal with the Supreme Court. And after that, it got bigger and had to deal with the, the Senate. And after that, what? And so the question is, once it gets that high, each time, if it's a if it's a an arms race, right? So if it's an arms race, if 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 one side goes up higher, you're going to have to go over that. And so each time it's accelerating, and each time is a more dramatic response. Mm -hmm. So what is the dramatic response? How do you possibly shake something that consistently over a period of time has demonstrated that they are able to dominate? That it doesn't matter. They can shut out and say there's no evidence absolutely zero and then when evidence comes out they say it doesn't matter and then when it comes out more they're trying to steal it from black people <laughs> like you're like holy crap like and so it just it doesn't matter what you what you do and so the question is if you're playing that game and if all of those ordinary otherwise civil constitutional constructs if all of those things fail not because the lack of substance or standing but because of the battle itself, because of the color revolution itself, what tool do you have at your disposal? What could benefit you, right? Even if you don't create it or you're not managing it, what would benefit you? And in that sense, sometimes the things that would benefit you, you have to know would also hurt you because the other side's going to still do the arms race. <laughs> so they're going to they're going to use that. So it may benefit you, but it's also going to benefit them because now they can come at you and say, well, you guys are a bunch of real bad guys, scumbags, extremists, and we're going to go hunt you down and shut down all your stuff. And so that's where we are. And I don't think it's even reversible at this point. I might even back up one step further because you guys mentioned crisis. But um, recently, I'm actually pondering writing another book about communism anyway. But um, uh, I got into this Yuri Bezmenov. He's this uh, former KGB operative. He actually mm -hmm. died in Canada. He defected. 
his he's good man and he lays out the actual full tactics like they have obviously the philosophy of marx okay so all these things ultimately I mean, i'm reading this book right now called world revolution and it's going through like the legitimate history of the illuminati for real okay tin hat i know but like the actual school of philosophy and you know how the freemasonic lodges were illumini illuminated and whatever and it's just quite a good history book and and but it goes through how robs pierre was basically a socialist like all of his goals were socialism he was marx before marx um and you know that's a whole other thing but the point is so they have that philosophy right but then how do you implement it so it's like yeah you're convinced that socialism is true you're convinced that marxism is true you're basically possessed by the devil at that point and you're like well how do i do this to a group of people now okay so yuri bezmanov lays out the four tactics real quickly he says the first one is demoralization mm -hmm. um that takes 15 to 20 years that's that's through education it doesn't have to be just school but just it's basically whatever institutions and, and channels you're in touch with, you demoralize people, you get them to hate their history, whatever, whatever, whatever. The first phase of that in North America and in Europe started in 1920. World War II comes 20 years later. Figure that out. But anyway, so um, after destabilization or after demoralization, you have destabilization. That takes two to three years, two to five years. So I'm looking at this and I'm going, okay, well, what happened during the Trump presidency? You got a two to five year period. And the point of destabilization is to get people convinced that they're like basically you get people so off balance that they don't believe anything of integrity and will be susceptible to a crisis mm -hmm. and there's a million ways you can do that but i mean look through the presidency of donald trump i mean from day one not my president people don't under, underestimate people underestimate the um legitimate effect that had on people's psychology what they were demonstrating was that um they were able to just tell themselves as long as the media said so that this man was not president and they don't care who tells them otherwise now that might seem trivial, it's like you're having a tantrum, but what that means is implicitly you don't even believe in the process and you don't care about the process. So when the process comes around again, four years later, within that two to five year window, whatever. Okay, the third step is crisis, which you guys were just talking about. But here's what the communists say. After you demoralize, once you're sufficiently destabilized, then you only need six weeks for a crisis and you can bring an entire civilization to its knees. What ends on February 5th? The impeachment trials. What starts six weeks later? Lockdown. Mm -hmm. You have six weeks where you bring an entire civilization to its knees. The fourth stage, it's almost as if we're living through their playbook, because we are. The mm -hmm. fourth stage is called normalization. So what are we living through now? <laughs> we're living through well, the new normal. Was, and we're that was through. early on, too. They were priming us for that, because remember, uh, th there were hashtag after hashtag, and people uh, don't normalize this. Exactly. Right. It was an opposition that don't let this. And then also the idea of priming with the new normal. That's it. So not only were they saying don't allow this to be normalized, but they were giving the idea that history has this inevitable like it's in the stars and we're moving toward this wonderland of trannies and of drag queens and drag kids and stuff. And, and we're going this way and and you can't turn back that clock. It's impossible. Don't do that because we're on the march of destiny here. Um, and that you can't normalize the idea that that we're going back, right? Or that we're at least pushing escape on some things and going, that's not good. We need out of the clown car that they didn't want that. So they said, don't normalize that. And then that's the negative that only goes so far, right? Because what's yeah. the alternative? Don't ne don't normalize this thing. But then they kept insisting again with that concept of fate and destiny uh, and progress that that this is the new normal and we just gotta acclimate we just gotta absorb yeah. it and let it in you know i, I, I want to shout out to uh Franek, and there's a croatian to chiming in here uh shout out to all, all our eastern european brethren 
uh, Fronek says, greetings from Poland. USA needs to experience communism to feel that only real hope is God and not, and then he names the American idols that we worship, work, money, or health. Great comment here from Fronek. Definitely. I mean, the from what I can tell, the polls are, are on point uh, over the past uh, 30, 40 years with their struggle against the Marxists. Definitely. A lot we can learn as American Catholics from the polls. Uh, I wanted to back up even further than the Marxists and go back to liberalism because I find it very interesting uh, that there's a lot of commentary going on about the uh, on the right side of things with the conservatives saying, hey, why did you, why media, why are you what Pelosi, why are you having a problem with all this insurrection, even if it's all Trump people, because you had no problem with all these other violence and whatnot, which is true. They don't they only care if the right side is doing the violence. But I want to back up all the way back to 1776 and talk about sedition, because the mortal sin of sedition is causing a riot burning property, killing people, dragging people out of their homes, tarring and feathering them, whatever. Charles Carroll, who is one of the founding fathers of the United States, a Catholic, one of the only, the, the only Catholic to sign the Declaration of Independence, he burned a whole ship because he was trying to cause sedition. This is what all of the mobs were doing at the time. The Patriot mobs were trying to cause riots. I mean, the, in Boston, Sam Adams was basically a terrorist. He was he was doing using the same methods that BLM does today, and and so this is the type of thing. This is the this is what I, I thought um, about this this instance because it seems to me that this certainly is a color revolution, but it's been really going on. The Marxification of the United States has been going on for fi past 50, 60, 70 years. Well, can I? Jump I think in? it's it's. I think it's now been sort of completed with this because it, I think it's a really uh, a strong uh, takeover. But let, let me just let me just break down what I mean by the third revolution, because I do think this is the third revolution in the continental United States. Okay. The first one was the first revolution, 1776, which was essentially using mass media mm -hmm. to manipulate the emotions of mm -hmm. the colonists especially by saying, hey, look at what King George did in Quebec. He allowed those cat, those dirty papists to continue with their religion. Shout out. Those dirty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Charles Colomb. We've got a show this Friday about uh, French Catholicism in North America and Quebec is very great show. I'm really excited for that for uh, Charles Colomb. Uh, he's great commentary. So anyhow, so that so they use these ma emotional manipulations to try to whip up the mob and they condemned Catholicism in the Declaration of Independence. Mm -hmm. It's in there. It's a veiled reference to the Quebec Act, a very important provocation for all these Protestant heretics who hate Catholicism. They're scared of Catholicism. They whip up the mob in order to commit violence against literally their neighbors because the colonists, there was a civil war. They, they're committing bloodshed and sedition. It's, I mean, and it all for the sake of these business interests, because these merchants didn't want to get taxed by King George. I mean, and then what happens very soon after that is that you have the, you have the, in, the constitution that is then imposed on the rest of the colonies so that all the, the big business can collect their debts. Well, what happens? Well, the whiskey rebellion, Shays rebellion, all these revolutionary veterans say, wait a second, you told me that we should have no taxation without representation. Now you're taxing me. What is up with this? So they they form a rebellion. George Washington brings a 
what was it, 30,000 militiamen to stamp it out. And yeah. this is this is the first revolution because it was simply a bunch of propaganda which whipped up a mob. It convinced a bunch of, uh, enough people to shed blood for some sort of liberties, vague liberty, whatever. And then power was imposed from on high. Now, there's number one. I see that that's the first color revolution I see. And, and from second, people and from people who use those very tactics to attain power. Right, right. So so then I see the second color revolution as the what's known as the Civil War, inaccurately, in my view, 1860s, which is really the second Civil War, in my view, um, which is essentially two group of elites, two group of rich businessmen, one in the South, one in the North. And they're both using the same tactics. They're just trying to use a bunch of propaganda. The propaganda in the North was, hey, we're going to go free the slave. They didn't care about slaves. They didn't care about slaves. Abraham Lincoln didn't care about slaves. Uh, and then the South, their propaganda is, well, the North is invading our country. Well, the, the problem with that is that the Confederates were actually, their propaganda was actually slightly accurate because they were <laughs> invading their country. So, uh, but it really, it was just two elites trying to whip up the mob against the other. You know, it's the, so, but the problem was the North won and then they imposed even more power from on high with the 14th amendment. That's the, that's the legal revolution that happens after reconstruction. Right. So there's, yeah. there's the imposition that loss of all states rights at that point. Mm -hmm. And then the third revolution I see is this Marxification, which, yeah. which really began in the fifties. I see, especially when the, when the Supreme court started, started to impose pornography laws, freedom of so-called freedom of, of pornography, which had previously been democratically uh, forced against Hollywood to not make pornography. But eventually they, they allowed this because the Supreme Court imposed it. So I see that Marxification kind of reaching its climax in our in 2021. So that's what I see as the three revolutions, which are all using the same tactics, mass propaganda, whipping up the mob, bloodshed, violence, and then the powerful keep their power or they get more power. And that's the whole goal. Jeremiah, what do you think of that? Well, you know, I, as you were talking, number one, I agree with that. Um, the other thing though, and I, I just got to say this, man, is that a lot of, I, I, I know a lot of people, right. Who are, um, doing the kind of apples and apples description regarding BLM and what Antifa is doing and what happened, uh, in Washington, DC. But I think there's a qualitative difference and it's in fact, it's significant. So I'm unsurprised that it's reached the level it has. And that is that it wasn't just on a street in the middle of Wisconsin. It wasn't just on a street in Minneapolis. It was at the epicenter of our political unit. Okay. It was at this iconic, uh, epicenter that that's where it took place and it went in there. Um, and we're at a place now with again, absolute politics where you have, um, the factions are so divided and both of them have political power. They're able to define enemy and friend. They're able to weaponize for the idea of war. They both have people who support them in the military, in the police force, all the way down. Okay. Um, but the thing is, is that with this, this was going right to the heart of the matter. And this was going, you know, directly to the heart of the political unit that is being fought over right now. Um, and I think the way you described it, though, the way you described the history of this and how how these battles are done and, and what is what what's revolution, what is um, uh, the, the, what are the tactics that are used by those who are nipping at the heels of power and trying to pull that per, that, that that individual down or that institution down 
And then once it's ascended, what tactics do they use in order to suppress people who may be using those same tactics? And sometimes for the same reasons, like, for example, the taxation thing, you know, John Hancock, people talk about John Hancock and you say, why do you, why do you sign his name so big? And you're like, dude, he was like the biggest tax protester in the universe. Okay. The guy was, he was like, he was like, you know, uh, England's most wanted. Okay. He, so he's like, I'm putting my name in big letters. I ain't paying your, your stinking taxes. And so in fact, it was a huge tax revolt. And so, and that, by the way, what was it? 3%? <laughs> Three percent, <laughs> three, it's less than our sales tax right now. I mean, you know, so, so you look at it and you're like, oh, wow, he was only taxing three. I think I'm going to endorse the King again. Um, but, but the way this plays out, the reason why I think that it's different and the reason why it's as hot as it is. And the reason why in the arms race of these political units that are able to define enemy and friend and that can weaponize their people for fighting. The reason why it's getting this way is because it's gotten to the point where it's not just simply going after a federal building over here or a police station over there or some institution over here, but it's realizing, recognizing the fact that this is a national issue. This is at the core of everything we stand for. It is an attack on the founding principles, whether we like them or not, right? And I've, I'm a critic of some of the founding principles and documents, right? But at the same time, that is, those are the founding documents and principles of this country. <laughs> so if you're going after that, what are you going to do? Are you going to go, you know, to the, the local headquarters for the party and, and protest? How do you, how do you as a political unit fighting for your survival, where do you go? What do you do? And they have to accept again, just like with the protesters, just like with the protesters and the idea of blaming it on Antifa or BLM or provocateurs and not accepting this is that conservatives and traditional people need to kind of take a little bit of their own medicine when they say there's no such thing as a free lunch. If you go in and people are doing this, there's going to be a blowback to what you do because you are a blowback to what they did. Okay. And that's bound to happen. So buckle in, pull yourself up by those bootstraps a little bit. Okay. And, and buckle in and get ready because we're in it and you know, you better be in it to win it because the other side's winning and they are. And so, you know, you got to be, you got to be in that mindset, but that's, I would add that to what you said, but other than that, I, I love how you, you laid it out as three revolution as, as the third one. And I like how you, cause I, I wondered if you were going to say the sexual revolution. And so I'm really glad that, that you laid it out the way you did. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I, I tried to, <clears throat> I mean, I think that the sexual revolution is very closely tied to this. Cause I, I mean, I view, I view liberalism as really the soil of, Marxism, where Marxism can grow. And and the fuel of this growth is the love of money and uh, sexual revolution and lust. Uh, I mean, you see that in the French Revolution as well. But it's a lot, and it's a lot more pronounced early on in the French Revolution than it is in America. But um, I mean, why is it that we have a feminist conference in the United States in 1848 in the same year that Marx publishes the Communist Manifesto. Feminism clearly was not invented by Marx. Certainly didn't come from Marxism per se. It came from applying the liberal principles of 1776 and 1789 to the family. Yeah, I'm reading through well, reading through that book I was talking about and um, you, you look at the philosophy of Adam Weishaupt Weisfot, how you say it? He's the guy who started Illuminism. Who's the the real people? Take off your tin hats. Illuminati is a real thing. They call themselves yeah. that. Yeah, it, means yeah, yeah. it means enlightened one. That's how you, if you say the Enlightenment in Italian, say l'illuminazione. Like it's mm -hmm. it's it's a it's a word. Anyway, um, 
but they talked about the two types of women they actually wanted to manipulate. Um, uh, basically, uh, within their mysteries of their order and things, they would have sort of the, I can't remember the term that he used, but basically like there were, the, um, the Illuminati were like Manichaeans, okay? Except even more devious. So they had this idea of like being pure and all this kind of stuff on the one half, but on the other half, they said, we also don't mind if we get a bunch of uh, bestial, uh, passion-driven men as long as they do what we want. So they would initiate people with different temperaments into different mysteries, they called them. So on the one half, it was like pure sort of like, uh, you know, being this sort of almost like a Buddhist monk sort of thing. And on the other hand, they had this basically it was a sex romp and sex, drugs and rock and roll. But, you know, you were enlightened because the pleasure was the key to happiness and whatever. So they would have these two types of women they would bring in and they would use the one type of woman who they called her like liberal in her morals or something like that. And basically it was sort of a form of a sex cult. Basically what it sounded like it was quite disgusting. And on the other hand, they'd have these women who were very intelligent, um, but they would want to, basically they would want to prop one up uh, as, how do they put it? But it's basically what they're doing with Kamala Harris. Like it was the same idea. It was this idea that you would have this woman who was on the front who represented all these ideals, but she herself was being fed information that made her sort of uh, go off the deep end. And then they would eventually just throw her aside. So I actually, I mean, people come talking about Biden Harris and stuff. I think they're all useful idiots and I wouldn't be surprised. Like if this thing goes all the way, this is the thing. This is, it is a revolution. I don't know if there's going to be gulags. I don't know if there's whatever, because, you know, revolutions always take on the temperament of the populace. You know, here in Canada, we have these lockdowns. Like I'm entering, I'm probably entering into another four month period right now um they're probably going to give us a curfew it's nuts it's absolutely insane like there's nothing else they can do to us except bring us out in the street and beat us like maybe they'll beat the coronavirus out of us i don't know because you can't it's illegal to go visit people yeah. it's illegal to go to church with more than 10 people uh it's illegal to do flipping anything okay so kids got to walk into schools from one side and they walk down the hallways and they can only walk one way and they sit down at their desks and they can only leave one at a time to go to the bathroom and they can only take their masks off to eat and when teachers get close to the students they have to put a face shield on over top of their mask <laughs> like it's insane it's that's a publicly funded schools private schools maybe a little, but the point is it's we are we are we are coroned out like there's there's nothing you can do there's nothing more you can do to us uh nothing is going to work Okay, I, whatever you think about coronavirus, fine. You think it's the Spanish flu, fine. Whatever you're doing for the Spanish flu is not working. You think it's a total Chinese hoax, fine. Whatever you're doing for the Chinese hoax isn't working. It doesn't matter. Whatever they're doing, it doesn't matter. There is nothing more they can do to us. But why are they keeping doing this to Canadians? Because Canadians are obedient. We're an obedient people. We are not revolutionary in the sense of America. So in Canada, you don't have to do camps. You don't have to do camps. You just have to say... Uh, you know, shame on you for not doing what the government says. 95% of people just say, okay. But in a country like Russia, uh, who at that time were a steely hardened Russian Orthodox population, you do have to put them in camps because you have to beat the sense out of them. You have to beat the logos out of them. You have to beat the reason of them. We don't have any left. Okay. So I don't know what's going to happen in America, but if, because America is kind of a strange combination, despite all the liberalism and Americanism, it still is a place where people have this sort of, zeal for common sense built into them somehow and it's like you know i know that don't tread on me thing gets a little bit overblown but that exists somehow in americans this is why you look at midwest and southern states relatively speaking they're doing better than left coast or northeastern uh, uh leftist sort of states just generally speaking you know um so 
I don't know what they're going to do in the States, but if they follow this through to the logical conclusion, if they follow this through, and Charles Coulomb said this in the summer, he said, if Donald Trump does not win, and he didn't predict any election fraud or anything, but he said, if Donald Trump does not win, things will collapse and there will be a strong man that will arise. That's what he said. I uh, basically said Trump would give you four more years because I love Coulomb for this reason. He just looks at everything with his encyclopedic brain of all of history. Sure, there can be exceptions. Uh, history doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme, as Mark Twain says. And what's going on right now? It is a revolution. Well, what do you have during a re revolution? You have a collapse. The Great Reset is not a reset. It's a great collapse. They're just calling it that because they're going to manipulate the way that they've put everything into a hunger hunger crisis, whatever. And Coulomb was saying that a, that a, a strong man would arise. That's not going to be Harris, and it's not going to be Biden. They're going to be some sort of placeholder where they're going to bring in, you know, whoever's going to be there for better or for worse. So everyone right now is a useful idiot. This is the one big thing, about, and this is exactly what the Illuminists said. The Illuminati said. This is what Weisfot said. You put in people that think that they are these enlightened masters, but just as Yuri Bezmenov said, he said, um, there's always a more vicious communist behind the people you think are the actual ones in charge. And as soon as they've served their purpose, they put them in front of a wall and they'll shoot them. You know, yeah. I don't think you have to do that now, but because yeah, you can no. cancel people, but nonetheless, the logic is the same. Well, and you look and I, I don't know what the end is of that. Right. But you can see the development and you can yeah. say, OK, so, you know, e even getting beyond school, the very nature of school where you're teaching people, you know, thought patterns and how they can even think for themselves or not think for themselves and just accept and, you know, absorb and stuff. Uh, but you move beyond that and you say, OK, so um, look at the way that um, media, the legacy media, we knew that they'd been doing that, manipulating the way that people understood the world. Right. There's media control with that. Um, but it lost its force. And so then it kind of went to uh, YouTube and other things. And you saw the way that YouTube began doing it and Google began doing it algorithmically by by placing things in a certain in a certain way. So that if you looked up anything, you were either going to be frustrated because you couldn't find something you know is there or everything you are finding is something that you're like, oh, I didn't know that's how it played out. And it's like it's not. <laughs> yeah. they've, they've, they've set it up in such a way that they put their approved media right up up at the top and you have to maybe search 100 pages in before you find anything remotely close to what you're actually looking for the psychological impact of that but then that didn't even entirely work because people were still they were like well okay well i can go to for example using trump i can go to trump's twitter feed and i can i can follow that or i can go on facebook and i can follow i can follow what he's saying there so then you begin to start seeing the way that they start to change things too the way that the algorithm says, well, we think you want to see this and not that. And then you start to see the shadow banning. And then you start to see the little things at the bottom of the screen that tell you that this claim regarding the election is contested, but it doesn't say it on the other side of the argument. So like, yeah. if you say there was a problem with the election, that's contested. If you say there's no problem with the election, there's nothing under there. So, you know, by that very, that very, magic trick they're doing you can see their hand i mean they're not even good at magic and so you're like okay so there's that and then it's gotten to the point now where you can watch video where they're just recently where where people are not even being allowed on their planes okay to get home because they were at the rally or that you've got you've got the union for uh the the, uh, the flight attendants where they're talking about we don't think that if somebody's known a known supporter of Donald Trump that maybe they shouldn't be allowed to fly on planes anymore or the idea of 
you know, the way that, and it's not just, it's not just the media either. It's also the medical stuff. You bring in COVID, um, limiting where you can go. And you say, look at the revolutions that were successful, right? The ones that the resistance people, okay. The folks that said, I'm done, man. We need to come together. Bars, churches, mm-hmm. bars and churches, you get together, you're talking, you're colluding and where are they shutting everything down? They're shutting it down in churches. You don't have that community anymore of like-minded people. You're severed from that, but you still have that human drive for community. So what do you do? You go to the next closest thing. It's virtual. And so you end up going virtually and you get that pressure from the group that you're, that you're now shoved into due to the nature of the force regarding the law or regulation. And, and you are now beholden to the constant barrage of images of the new great reset scheme, right? So like everything that's priming you to drive and say, this is what's real out here. So they've, they've completely neutered the, the traditional tools that people have had and access to those tools um, to that allow them not only to have community in day-to-day life, but to successfully resist what is otherwise tyrannical. Yeah. It seems that the, the Marxists, because they're Marxists, I don't, I, don't, I, I mean, I'm sure there's Democrats somewhere who are calling for peace and reconciliation, but they're certainly not in the news that I've seen. Uh, all the Democrats I've seen are, are now, because they're Marxists, they're going to the next step because once, crazy, Marxists, yeah, once the Marxists gain power, then it's the purge. So you got to purge. I mean, once again, this is what Thomas Jefferson did in Virginia. He said, a loyalist in mind in his thoughts must be drug out of his home. That's 1984. Yeah, so exactly. So uh, the purge is here. Uh, mm-hmm. So now they're they're going to come after us and they're going to find us and they're going to do whatever they can to re-educate us. And uh, so th- that seems to be the next oh. step. Um, so I, one question I have for both of you all is, one, how does a... a a normal, just an ordinary Catholic get accurate information about what is really going on right now. So we can keep track of it as fathers. We have a duty to keep watch over what's going on to protect our families. And two, what do we do next as Catholic families? You go first, Jeremiah. Okay. Um, those are, those have kind of become thematic of my show, by the way, these, these ideas, because we're at a place where it's not even theoretical anymore. It requires that we be actionable, that we're able to provide tools to people on a very practical basis. Um, the day and age of like, Hey, let's have a very abstract debate and stuff. We're kind of like, um, yeah, the, uh, forum is on fire. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And they're coming after us right now. And it's super dangerous. The savages are here. And so, you know, um, the idea, where do you get, where do you get good information? For one, if they're watching this show right here, that's a good start. Okay. But I think shows like mine, okay. That we need to do better about coming together in networks, right? Like Holy Faith Media, other networks where we can have like-minded people that are out there for the truth, that are out there for righteousness, that, that people can trust that when they come, that they are getting and not and the reason why we need the group is because um, we need we need to provide information on a lot of different issues. And we're not all really great at all the issues. OK, where some of us are really good at some but pretty crappy at others. But our friends or our colleagues, right, those those fellow soldiers in the faith, 
those people might have skill sets and strengths that we don't have. And they need to provide that information to people too, because this is an all out war we're dealing with on every front. This isn't like a little limited thing here, limited thing. There's a whole enchilada battle. So, you know, and I would otherwise I'd encourage people and say, oh, go to places like Telegram. But I won't encourage that because you actually have to be somebody who can really weed through a bunch of crap <laughs> to find the nuggy nugs. OK, you got to be able uh, for a lot of this stuff. And so you, it's it's good to be able to rely and to to identify and to rely on people who've dedicated enormous amounts of time to trying to uh, uh, hone in the skills to be able to distinguish and discern between what is good and what is bad, what is true and what is false, and that they're doing their best. And if they're wrong, that they're willing to admit it. Okay, so there's sources are becoming fewer and fewer. They're getting booted offline. Okay? It, dude, if they can take down parlor, I mean, we're talking cartel country at this point. I mean, that's dude, it's not even a joke. You say, man, this is this is a huge thing. They're they're taking people offline. They're removing their means of communication. And and so we really do need to bunker together and realize that we're beyond the place of I've got a good idea here and he's got a good idea there. But we need a good idea together and we need to begin working better in a group, still recognizing our differences, but saying, look, for right now, we got to deal with these buggers because they're they're after us and it's bad. And so I would encourage people keep watching shows like this, keep watching shows like mine, keep watching shows, you know, uh, Cologne, watch, watch as many different things. The, the Kennedy report, by the way, the Kennedy, the Kennedy there. report. Yes, of course. The Kennedy report. Yeah. Go to Kennedy hall. That's it. So, um, you know, but the thing is watch those shows and I implore those people on all of those shows to do a better job realizing that if it's up to them alone, we're toast. If it's up to me alone, we're totally screwed. Okay. Like I'm just telling you, I love you guys, but man, if it's all up to me, dude, we are done. And so I need other people. You guys need other people and we need to come together and realize, man, this is, this is serious business. And so that's what I would say, you know, there's websites you could throw out and stuff and you can do that. But I think that the greater call right now, cause and I'll, this is the last thing I'll say about it is that sometimes, man, like a lot of people, if I just said, well, go to this website or go to that one or do this or do that. I've been inundated, and maybe you guys have too. I've been inundated by otherwise well-intentioned, good-hearted pumpkin pie bacon boomers who send me videos of some rando Joe in his car, you know, talking about how he's got a friend who's got a, a dentist whose cousin is part of the military, and he heard rumor of this. And they're sending it and sharing it like it's just like, dude, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I've had, you know, you got you got to get away from that and say, look, you know, Here's how we do this, but that is a big plan. And we need, we are at that place. We're in this arms race. And at this time, I wish I could say a oh, little tweak here, a little tweak there, but this is really something that needs big minds and good hearts coming together to be able to provide something that people can remain anchored, that they can remain marching forward. And that no matter what happens, that they will remain with a victorious mindset and not one of despair. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, guys know Jesse Kelly, a conservative guy. I think he's on the first. He's pretty good, actually. He's one of those guys. He's not Catholic, but uh, he's got a certain cynicism about him, which I think makes him see through a lot of the, the, the nonsense. He's my favorite sort of mainline conservative guy. Anyway, but he um, he said the other day, you know, he's like, there's no more liberal. Or there's no more conservative. There's no more Democrat. There's no more Republican. 
he's been saying that stuff for a while. And someone basically said, well, then what are you? He says, I'm anti-communist. To me, that's sort of the thing right now. So like, you know, I'm a traditional Catholic, whatever that means kind of thing. Yeah, okay, we have our differences and stuff. But like some of my best friends are uh, conservative, charismatic, whatever. Just because we, we're anti-communist. Like right now, things are so bad that like there's, again, forget liberal, forget conservative. Um, I wish I, I used to live by that motto when I converted because C.S. Lewis talked about how he would read the news and basically 10, 10 months later, he had to reread the news to unlearn all the news he knew. Like it's just sort of like things are just, they go in these cycles and you just sort of get fed the same garbage over and over again. And what did Chesterton say? Liberals go on breaking things and conservatives stop it from being fixed. You know, like that's kind of the way things go. I get that. I mean, I understand there's real reasons for political parties, but just on a theoretical level. So right now, I think the rallying cry amongst people, it's just got to be anti-communist. It's like, what? Because that's what it is. The, the, the enemy is communism, okay, in all of its forms. It's cultural form. It's legitimate legislative form. It's uh, propaganda. Like, all of the forms of communism right now, it's the air we breathe. It's ubiquitous. So in my personal opinion, this is why a guy like Thomas Woods, who's like a libertarian, him and a guy like Chris Ferrara can be friends again because they're just both anti-communists, mm -hmm. okay? Yeah. Like, I would rather live in a world. I I would be so happy to live in Thomas Woods' libertarian world, even though I don't believe. <laughs> Me too. I'm so hey, happy about that right now compared yeah. to yeah. what I'm saying. Wood. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like seriously, yeah. I'm not being facetious. Like that sounds. Like I agree. Paradise. Yeah, totally. Compared to what I have right now. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, and if he's a good libertarian, he'd let us make our own little, uh, you know, Catholic uh, integralist colony or whatever. You know, <laughs> joking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So my point being though is, right now, uh, anti-communism has to be the rallying cry. People, uh, think com yeah. people think communism ended with the fall of the Soviet Union. No, the devil takes on many different names. It just changed forms, okay? Yeah, that, that's a great. Uh, and then practical step, practical step, how do you do this? They're not going to kick everybody offline. And the reason I know they're not going to kick everybody offline is because Alex Jones is still online. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Now, they're going to kick some... This is what... This is what uh, talk, to, talk to anybody who lived in a communist nation. And I know many people from Poland, Hungary, whatever, you know, they have their sacrificial lambs. They hang so-and-so in the public square. They squash the movement, but they don't actually squash the movement. They make it go underground and then they try to infiltrate these places so they can keep watch on them because they know human nature. The communists are demonically inspired. They have high intelligence. They know that people will not give up what's in here totally. A lot of people will, but not all of them. And they know if they leave them unmonitored to their own devices, that they'll have an enemy brewing that they won't have a they won't have surveillance over. So what they do is they allow you to have your movements, et cetera. And then it becomes a hydra, it becomes a whack-a-mole of how much can we actually keep to ourselves and how much do the infiltrators understand? So what we're gonna have right now is we're just gonna have to partition. Personally, I think things like Facebook and Twitter are gonna break apart a little bit. Um, but again, they don't care because they own the servers. They don't care because they own all the operations. They'll find a way to make their money. They'll be politically correct and they'll have their control over people. So anyway, right now, go behind paywalls is one big thing people have to do. The Tin Hat guys like Trad Cat Knight and Alex Jones, they were, but they were right. They were right, okay? You know, um, they, they saw that coming. And then also, we need a renaissance of print. Print media yes. from publishers. Oh, and, yeah. But not just not just books, okay? I'm talking like, for example, the Fatima Center, we're trying to rebuild things and stuff and, and, and figure out what's going on with the censorship. And one of the things I'm actually going to pitch to the guys later or whatever, um, we have our website. But you know what? 
we need to send out what's on our website. Yes. A newsletter in a newsletter yeah. once a month, like all the articles, not a magazine, but just a newsletter, just yes. word documents with a nice letterhead. That's all you need. And people have to have a renaissance of that sort of thing, because for now we can do that. Um, and then also too, you know, like we're on this show. Okay. Were there certain things if I was to say right now that we get video taken down and I'm not talking about like inciting violence or anything. Wild. We may have already. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but there's just certain things, you know, it's like, if you say X, Y, and Z, uh, you know, it's done. Okay, then you say, hey, guys, uh, there's certain things that I can't say. You know what those are? Sign up for the newsletter. and we'll <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah. once again, uh, take a look at meanacatholic.com, subscribe. Uh, I'm going to, right now, I'm going to continue saying whatever we need to say and just kind of watching closely to see if YouTube is, comes after us. I don't know. I, I, I'm looking at watching it closely, but I was just going to bring up the same thing that you were going to bring up, Kennedy, and that is two print publications that you yeah. should all subscribe to. One is Culture Wars. E. Michael Jones, culturewars.com. This magazine is excellent, and E. Michael Jones already know how, knows how to fly under the radar because he's been banned from YouTube, Twitter, Amazon, whatever. Print media needs to come back. This, this magazine also is very good because it does a lot of international analysis as well. It, it's a lot, a lot of great international stuff looking at different countries. So that's, that's the, the good thing about that. And the other one is Catholic Family News. Brian McCall, chief editor, he has a lot of great analysis. They do have a YouTube show every week, uh, but getting the print, obviously, print may be what's, uh, what's the future here for Catholics? I was looking at Crisis Magazine. Shout out to uh, Eric Sammons, the new editor. I wasn't actually sure if they still have print editions or not. They it looks don't like do print. They, don't do they, print. they used to. Maybe they'll go back. I don't know. But anyhow, yeah, print media. That was excellent. Excellent thought, Kennedy. I wanted to... Oh, I lost the comment. Someone, someone asked, what does the Marxist takeover of the United States mean for the rest of the world? And my thought was that the globalists will now try to take over as many countries as possible. I mean, how many how many populist nationalist leaders are left now? We've got Hungary, Poland, and Brazil. Am I right? Or who else do we got? I mean, we've got various African nations, which are uh, in various stages of globalist takeover. What are your thoughts, y'all? It, Italy, Italy has, like, Italy is in real turmoil right now. I speak Italian, so I follow, like, the Italian stuff. Um, the thing about all these things is there's going to be countries pretty soon that are actually going to collapse legitimately yeah, yeah. like and Italy's one of those what's on the brink there's a lot of Fatima prophecies in there which I won't go into too much right now but I think we've got eight years left before that anyway but um uh so Italy is on the brink and the um it's gonna make people nervous but the fascist movement is kind of rising in Italy and what I mean by that sort of like the Franco inspired uh Italy first sort of corporatist movement the old school thing um and it's very much rising right now people are getting hungry and the mob is rising in Italy right now uh, because the government's not protecting the people from uh, migrants and things like that that are kind of using the whole refugee system to come and actually start organized crime. I used to live beside a guy in Italy who used that refugee system to bring in people to do illegal work and had multiple wives and stuff. It's a legit thing. It happens, okay? Um, that's really getting big right now because Conte is the devil incarnate. He's their pre president right now. Um, so that's really rising. Some countries like that, like, they're going to fall and then things are going to turn like that and you're going to have populist uprisings, which uh, could be improvements and could be much worse. And Italy's on the brink of that, I think. Jeremiah, you had something. Go ahead. Uh, 
I, I concur with what he's saying. You're going to see the rise. When you see the rise, again, it's the arms race. Um, yeah, when you right. see the rise of the radical left, you're going to see the rise of a radical right. Um, yeah. Both of them have their, their discontent with the way things are going, even with the structure of nationalism, right? <laughs> um, rather than like a Catholic imperium or something like that, you know, that it's not just simply, well, globalist in a corporatist, <laughs> secular, new agey, aliens are coming sense. Kind of thing. So I, I don't want to add anything to that. I do want to say one thing, though, real fast about the idea of the print. I think it's more than that, too. I think that it's it's a wise decision for people in this moment to begin reflecting on something. I've mentioned this before on another show where I said there's an episode of Little House on the Prairie. Love that and show. In, and in, yeah. And in Little House on the Prairie, um, there's an episode where the, the storm comes in and it wipes out the entire farm. Right. And Charles and all the men, they're all devastated. And they don't know what to do. And everybody's afraid they're going to starve. And the women come together and they say, but what about Ruth? What yep. about the threshing floor? Because the technology had advanced to such a place that because of what the storm did, the technology was useless. Yeah. And so they said, basically, to put it in layman's terms, they said, what about older technology? And some people forget, like. A book is a, it's a technique, right? It's a form of a technology. It's a, that, it's a form of media. Yes. It's a meat. Yes. And so you say, okay, um, we're going to go ahead. Cause we always just think of technology as um, uh, something that's electronic. We've gotten in this mindset that it's digital and glowing. And so to be able to go back and say, what are, what are mechanisms that have been used in the past? And I think one of those things is when people say like something in the comments, say, well, where are you going to go if you're, if you're not on YouTube anymore? YouTube may, in fact, have been a little bit of a detriment because we're all dudes who are able to speak and make, you know, talk about deep topics and have conversations and interviews. And we're not putting stuff that's going to be on people's in people's libraries for years to come. It's going to this is how many people are going to go back in one month and check out this video? Some, some, but it's not in a store. Right. I'm saying this for all of it. I'm saying like, you the know, whole the, the whole thing, like I, I, I have documentaries that are old that say, man, that's really good. I, I, I reference them often. But you you purchase them, you're able to watch them without being connected to the panopticon of the internet. You're able to put them in your DVD player and go. And so, like, it's not just it's not it's not just print. That is essential, I think, typographically. We need to get in that mindset. Tactile stuff, stuff you can. Yes, play. yeah, yes. Yeah. And sometimes when they've taken control, and and they they've taken it all out of our hands. And I'm, I mean, I was 2006 on YouTube, man. So I've been doing that for a minute. And you see the changes that have happened they think that's going to dishearten somebody. Don't be surprised if you see them popping up in your mailbox. Don't be surprised if you're seeing these little DVDs coming around and, yeah. and all of a sudden you're like, dang man, that quality is really good. Look at how deep that is and want to share it around. And these are ways yeah. that and I think we're going to be surprised. I think people should, should wait for it because people are thinking it through. If for no other reason than we're being forced to. Yeah. And I think it's actually a blessing in disguise. Yeah, th this is great. I, I just remembered two other print. There's uh, The Remnant, uh, Michael mm -hmm. Matt. Uh, what I love about this one is that it has a lot of articles from um, Roberto De Matei and John Rao, both excellent historians. So this publication, Remnant, is really great because it's got a lot of excellent history that I, that's not as much as present in the other two that I mentioned. And also the Epic Times. I still think the Epic Times is pretty good because they're so anti-communist, like what yeah. Kennedy was saying. They're, they're anti very anti-communist. Now they are tied. They're very, they have a, a tie in with a Chinese uh, religious movement. 
I haven't seen anything that they've done that's very overtly um, Chow Long Fong or whatever it's called. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't know. I can't remember what the, the term is called. But there's there's a religious movement in China that they're connected to loosely. Um, I don't see a problem with that because they, they're very strongly anti-communist. I mean, I haven't seen anything problem with their just bare reporting in terms of secular news. But they do have a print edition as well. Um, but I, I think lastly, I just want to close by saying the important thing here now, now that the Marxists have taken over, we need to continue. This is this is what Mean of Catholic is all about. It's about uniting Catholics against the enemies of Holy Church. And I'm reading, um, where is it? Uh, I'm reading my favorite guy, my favorite writer of the 20th oh. century, Dietrich von Hildebrand, uh, Soul of the Line. This is his biography written by his widow. And he was marked as public enemy number one by the Nazis. And he had to flee and eventually came to America. He was sentenced to death in absentia. And however, other Catholics in Germany who were not no less anti-Nazi chose to take a different tack against Hitler. And there was there was division among Catholics, all of whom all the Catholics who were anti-Nazi about how to deal with the Nazi takeover. And we need to keep our unity because we all have different. I mean, like, for example, Dietrich van Hildebrand decided to not become a martyr because he had a wife and a kid. That's obvious to me. I mean, I would if I was a marked man, I would be fleeing with my wife and children. I, I'm not going to put them through that unless, you know, I'm in a spot like St. Thomas More or something, you know. Um, so we all have different duties. We have different states in life, different situations, and we're all going to take different approaches to resisting the Marxist takeover. And we need to be very unified in the fact that we're all against the Marxist takeover, but we're going to have different approaches, which may come out in different, and we may even disagree on certain points, but it's so crucial now more than ever to have that unity against the enemies of Holy church, because now the enemies of Holy church, they've got the most powerful country in the whole world now mm -hmm. i mean it used to be china uh used to be these other places now they've also got the united states mm -hmm. let me just so, end some, let me just end with some humor here though go ahead. <laughs> if, you gotta, if you gotta flee with your kids there's a great movie the fugitive and harrison yeah. ford it's one of those good yeah. old like good old movies man yeah. and um he has a massive beard at the start of the movie and then when he has to flee he's able to like cut his hair and shave his beard that's why you got to grow one of these because then if you got to be unidentifiable, yeah. make yourself look like Mr. Clean and no one's going to know who you are. Yeah. There you go. Perfect uh, tip. Perfect life hack for the, the, the Marxist winter that we're entering. Now, every time they see one of the bald guy, they're going to think he's a fugitive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let, let, let's, uh, we're going to wrap up. Offer up in our father. Uh, Lent is coming. Let's, yeah. let's, uh, let's get ready for Lent. And uh, the glorious season of Paschal Tide. Uh, we're going to offer up our fasting very soon. And there's a lot to fast for, but yeah. there's a lot to be joyful and thankful for as well. Yeah. So let's offer up in our Father. Uh, always thankful that God is in control here, y'all. God is in control. Never forget that. Don't lose hope. Uh, let's continue to stay together as one for Jesus Christ, the King. In name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this give day, us day our daily bread, bread and forgive us our, our trespasses as we forgive, forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Through the prayers of our holy fathers, Lord Jesus Christ, our God, have mercy on us and save us. Amen. Amen. Viva Cristo Rey. In the name of the Father, Son, 
Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.